as the Beastie Boys once said, if I knew it was going to be this kind of party, I'd stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> We're not going to get far, are we? Welcome to Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. <laughs> Bienvenidos empacadores sin fronteras, dos papás dedicados al amor, la risa y los empacadores de Green Bay. Packers Without Borders, the greatest podcast on the planet. Two dads talking love, life, dedicated to the Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Verde y amarillo hasta la muerte. I'm Jeremy Retz. You're listening to Packers Without Borders. Go Pack Go. Welcome to Packers Without Borders. I am your co-host up here in the frozen tundra, Oak Bank, Manitoba, Canada. I am joined, as always, by my good buddy down in El Paso, Texas. Bruce Edmonds, how you doing, Bruce? It's bye-bye-bye week. It's the bye week. I like that. <laughs> oh, a little, woo. That's, it's too bad we weren't in sync for that. Oh, horrible. We are joined by two bad boys of the Packer kingdom, uh, Packer fandom, the brothers Mick and Matt Stevenson. How are we doing, guys? Well, Mick, you go first. I mean, this is Mick's revenge, part two, the revenge. So you the have revenge. Yes, the return of the Mick. But of course, he is frozen again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's, a, he's 176 years old. I think he froze himself cryogenically just to make sure that he can live longer. hey <laughs> I can neither and... confirm nor deny, but my parents do live in Arizona within 20 minutes of Ted Williams' frozen head, so there is a chance that Mick already has a, re- a room reserved there. I hope not. I'm going to go with a full Han Solo, man, not just the head. Freeze everything. A full Han Solo. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> That's perfect. Wow. That's that's uh, Bruce's mating call right now. <laughs> right now, women are climbing over the fence at his Get house. off of me. Get <laughs> off of me. It, it looks like World War Z. <laughs> As the Beastie Boys once said, if I knew it was going to be this kind of party, I'd stick my dick in the mashed potatoes. <laughs> We're not going to get far, are we? <laughs> It's a quote. It's a quote from the Beastie Boys. Please do not reflect poorly upon Packers Without Borders podcast. Matt, Matt knows about being misquoted. Yeah. Whoa. One dick joke. <laughs> and suddenly I'm the world's expert at Felicio. And let me tell you something. I might know a thing or two. <laughs> Hold on, I, I've got a call coming in. I can't. It's either from from FanDuel's or DraftKings, but they already want us to book for twelve episodes. <laughs> oh, perfect! I'm going to be blue light. All right, man. All right. Do you know why they called it Labatt's Blue Mick? Why is that? Okay, so it used to it used to be just Labatt's, and sure. then uh, they sold it in the uh, uh, football uh, stadiums up here. And in Winnipeg, where they have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, okay, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was sold so much and so popular that we actually changed the name 
of the beer to Labatt's blue in reference to the blue bombers. And you know, when you see those, when you see those, uh, the beer snakes that they have in the stands and people have got the cups and stuff like that, Canadians, we just laugh. We just laugh. Ha 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 ha. We drank that before we got in here. <laughs> I sure some people actually got in there. The blue, that's really cool, man. <laughs> yeah, they actually changed that. And you know what? Uh, what's happening tomorrow uh, for the uh, CFL fans? Uh, the Bombers are playing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for the title of the West. And then uh, the East will play. And then the Bombers will once again be trying to uh, repeat as Grey Cup champions. Now, as uh, you know, as profound as that sounds, remember there's eight teams. <laughs> they play. They play. Right. Hey, man. I've always respected CFL and always enjoyed watching it, man. I mean, I've never once considered it to be subpar football. I, I don't know. You know what? I played it for a number of years. I coached for over uh, nine, 10 years. And I'll tell you, it is beyond aggravating because it is mostly incomplete, incomplete punt, incomplete, incomplete punt, you know, and then people go, Oh, well you have running backs that rush for 1400 yards a season. You have to run guys. We play 24 games. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, even, I mean the, even the kid that sells popcorn has got 1,400 yards. Matt, I will say <laughs> that description is not completely accurate. It's incomplete, incomplete punt, incomplete, incomplete punt, incomplete, incomplete rouge. I'm a sucker for a rouge. Some of the rules, there was many times where I was playing or coaching, and there would be a flag, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm explaining it to the ref, and he goes, uh, that's the NFL. We don't do that here. And I go, well, you should. Yeah. <laughs> you try to go for it on third down. Like, no, they have the ball. Damn, yeah. Come on, man. Oh, it's not. And, you know, the timing is what really upsets me about the CFL. In the final two minutes in the NFL, one team is mostly going to have the ball, right? There's the opportunity of maybe the other team gets the ball, but you'll have, like, no time. In the CFL, with two minutes left, there's enough time for 15 possession changes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's amazing. It's ridiculous because they don't start the clock until the play actually starts. And then when the play stops, they stop the clock. So there's no running clock and you don't need timeouts. Only in the last two minutes. It's like the last two or three minutes. I'm not sure of the rule. Don't ask me. I only played it. (laughs) Nope. Nobody likes a timeout. Yeah. A timeout. (laughs) Timeouts are the worst. You know what? We don't uh, we don't talk like that in Manitoba, but they do in like Nova Scotia. No, Matt, you don't talk like, like that. that at all. I no, not at all. You no. can hardly hear my accent. No. <laughs> I mean, one hundred percent American. I don't hear it. <laughs> I don't sound like a newfie. It's like what? Yeah, yeah. Bruce. Bruce is trying to hack through what is it? West Texas, South Texas, Northern Mexico, and then just everybody else that he knows, and then Matt drops in with that. Yep. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. So let's start here, guys. I've got a question okay. for you. Okay. So we're in the bye week. We have the third easiest schedule remaining. Okay. So we've got a very good opportunity. I'm looking at PFF right now, and they're projecting us, you know, so the over-under in terms of Vegas is 12 and a half wins is what they've got. Obviously, 99% chance of making the playoffs, 97% to win the division title. That should be 100%. Um win the conference championship 23%, which means we've got about a, you know, almost 25% chance of making it back to where Lafleur has been there the last few years and a 12%, 12% chance of winning the Super Bowl. But what do you think 
are the keys coming out of the bye for us to run the table, get home field advantage in the playoffs and make the Super Bowl? What do you guys, how do you guys picture that? Nick, I'm here to caddy for you. You go. Well, for me, I mean, it's, it's getting our guys back. We have played fantastic football over the last six to eight weeks with not just Colin Cowherd even was talking about this, not just injuries, but injuries to our absolute very best players. And to do what we've been doing is great to sit and think, okay, well, we get a couple of games with Bach at left tackle, Jair back there at corner, um, Zadarius back there on the edge, rushing opposite of uh, Gary and Preston. If all those things happen, I, I, we will not lose unless we absolutely choke, which we know is possible. But I, I just think defensive injuries and getting them healthy and getting Bach back, that's going to be the key. When do you think we get Bach back? When do you think Zadarius and when do you think Jair? They've been really tight-lipped on that. Have you guys noticed that? Whereas earlier in the season, you seem to get an injury report every single day, but not now. It's like, okay, Jair waving at fans, giving out turkeys on Thanksgiving. And I'm like, as he handed that 20-pound turkey over, the shoulder seemed to be pretty good. So that means he's ready to go out and play. Yeah. I, I think that they're going to get through the bye, reassess everybody this week on where they are. And at, like you said, not only do we only play one team with a winning record, that's the Ravens, but we only have two road games and one is at the Lions. I mean, yeah. it could set up any better for us and if we can get these guys back i would hope to have them back for two at least two regular season games before the playoffs that would be my goal that's yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking too right is we were talking about this earlier uh, in our podcast about um when do you think jair and them are coming back and i said i don't think we're going to see them back until we start to lose like well and that i think that's a huge point and that's you're looking at, at the games that we've got left this is where Mick and I, he is the deep dive analyst of every roster transaction. And I just tend to look at Vegas and, you know, the, the betting sites. Uh, we always lose one dumb game. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be at the Ravens because Lamar, I mean, what do you do? You've been um, listening to my podcast. Yeah, I mean, who knew? <laughs> but the other ones, you know, we got the Vikings in the weather on January 2nd. And, you know, Cousins is going to Cousins. The Lions are going to Lions. And I just think the Browns are too battered. So, I, you know, I think that we can pull four out of five here. Um, and there's no other reason that I say that we're going to lose a game because we just do. It's just the dumb one that we lose. I mean, we go back to losing to the 0-10 Colts team, however many hundreds of years ago for that thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but it, it's, I mean, we literally could have the Packers Hall of Fame all within their 27th year of life, and we would still lose one dumb game because that's what happens. Yeah the odds start to stack up against you, right? We were talking about that uh, before the Arizona game. You know what's really hard? Uh, you know what's harder than going 6-0? and A 7-0. and Do you know what's even harder than going 7-0? and 8-0, right? Like, it just starts stacking. But then the same for losses. Like, this weekend, I, I think the Lions pull out their first win. I think – I mean, you're at 10. You're at 10 losses. It, it, you've got to – you've got to – Pull one out of the hat. And I think no. the Vikings are right there. They're ready and we, primed and ready to go. I also, we, you know. Do we kind of want the Vikings or the Lions to be the only team in history with two 16-loss seasons? I kind of do. 
I don't know. I feel so bad for them. Like it's almost like making fun of the elderly or, you know, like challenge people. Like you can't, you have to, you have to have respect. You've got to just give them, listen, they are trying. Listen now, seriously, well, all like serious. Part of the elderly. Dan, they Dan, Tom Brady every day. Dan Campbell, <laughs> Dan Campbell showed up and did the bite the kneecap and I'll go, I'll grope your girlfriend. I don't know what he, I don't know what he said. Anyway, he said all of this crazy stuff and his guys lost six in a row and they are out there. They're trying to kill themselves for a win. I mean, that's hard to do. That's hard to do to get these guys. I mean, they are, they are 10 and they are 10, they're 10 losses in one tie. And these guys are out there trying to break their necks for that win. I mean, this guy's a hell of a, hell of a motivator, hell of a motivator. Can I ask a question about that Dan Campbell speech though? And the whole like kneecaps thing, he kept saying, you're going to knock us down and then we're going to get back up. And he kept, you're going to knock us down. He said that like four times. Well, I don't, I don't want my coach. He knows who that. the lions are. I mean, right. I want my coach coming in saying, you're going to take a swing and we're going to dodge it. Like Bruce Lee thumb our nose a little bit and then lay out all 47 of you in the room and then walk away, click our heels and have a beer. Like, I, I don't quite get that. You're going to knock us down as an introduction to me as a coach. I think adrenaline took over. He's had too many hits to the head and he wanted to show how pumped and excited he was and how they weren't going to quit. You know what? They don't quit. They don't. But I would much rather, like, do you remember Bill Parcells coming in and he'd take over a team and all he would say, they'd say, Bill, you know, what's the game plan, this and that. And he would go, get your expectations up. And that's all he would say, get them up. Right. And he would take over that team. I want to see a guy like that. You know, Lafleur kind of came out and he was like, gosh, guys, this is so great. Gosh, this is so wow. These lights are pretty bright. Gosh. Okay. I'm going to do our best. And gosh, holy smokes, you know, and every, I mean, myself, I was like, Oh, we are in some trouble. (laughs) This guy, I don't know, maybe. Right. And then of course he's shown everybody that no, he is the next guy. Remember who our number two choice was. It it wasn't going to be Lafleur. It was Campbell. So yeah, that he did is all I'm saying. I will happily accept the best looking person in the entirety of the NFL, male or female. That's our head coach. He beats Garoppolo. Yeah. Please. Our head coach is better looking. I don't know. Pam Oliver is pretty hot. Oh, don't play with my emotions. And you know she's gonna be doing this game. But I mean, can we snack rank? Can we do top five best looking people in the NFL? Matthew, do you remember when we encountered Pam Oliver? We were sitting at the bar the one time at Lambeau. What? Wait, what? What? No, wait. Record scratch. Matt just masturbated immediately (laughs) in his head. Okay, can we say Canada Matt versus Florida Matt just so we know who's doing what here? Yeah, I don't masturbate in my head. I I do it in my room. Or like normal people in traffic in my car. Hold on. Let's let go. Let me put my let me put my COVID mask on. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you won't catch COVID from this guy. Wink. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Oh, it's there you go. It is. Okay, Pam Oliver. Where? What? Tell me. Oh, are you kidding me? No, we we were sitting. Matt, it, it's been a number of years. It's it's not now. It's 1919. Was it Curly's when we were sitting there the one time? And yep. we kind. of on that little area where we're looking out at the people walking through the atrium, but we were in the bar and all of a sudden Pam and Troy Aikman just walked by and it's like, Oh, well, when you're at Lambeau field, shit like this happens, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I would have tackled myself. Troy Aikman to the ground. 
<laughs> you would have had to go through just out of nowhere, first. nowhere, just I, out of nowhere. I pride myself on on being a, a relatively together person and don't get starstruck. And I I love Pam Oliver have for years. I actually bought a furry Kangol stocking cap because Pam used to wear those. And she yeah. walked by and I was just <laughs> yeah. And Mick had to say the word Pam Oliver because I couldn't get it out of my mouth. Well, that's okay. That's kind of like when I met Brett Favre at that one game. When you, were I wouldn't right. want to get uh, Pam Oliver out of my mouth. I'll tell you that. All right. See, <laughs> but I will, I, will, wow. I know you're listening, and I would say that was Canada, Matt. When I'm, I'll be at the game next week. So I just want to say hi, Pam. Pam, send me a DM. I will send you my address. Okay. <laughs> okay. I want you to know she she's got quite the caboose, man. I mean, they, oh, they usually door from the waist up, and I don't think that's bad. I'm a badonka donk kind of guy, but Pam <laughs> has got badonka donk. That's all I'm saying. Not a bad thing. Uh, welcome in all of our female listeners. She's no internet. <laughs> I like Colleen Wolf's strong jaw. <laughs> welcome everyone who's just switched over from Gwyneth Paltrow's The Goop to uh, Packers Without Borders. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Back. <laughs> I'm not I saying expect, that Mick may ex- or may not have been eating an eight-inch brat at the moment when this happened, but it cannot be denied. Nor confirmed. Damn, I'll confirm. That brat with big eyes, man. Yeah. Good Lord, what is happening? I can't even move on to the next. I mean, I wanted to say that the only game that we possibly could lose is the Ravens, and I can't get it out of my fucking mouth. Oh, my God. So, third and four, do you feel that play action is a better approach, or should we go with a jet sweep? So, uh, coming around the corner? Oh, the my God. I am so listening to this again. <laughs> so, hey, how about that January 6th attack on the Capitol? Fuck my life. Oh. What is it, six minutes in? Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to be right, shut so, down. Once this topic's over, we're going to solve the immigration issue, deal with climate change, and I've got a pretty good idea for the Omicron thing as well. So, uh, yeah. But first let me, off, let me tell you about vaccines. Yeah. Oh, let's, <laughs> the defense back, back on track. The defense gentleman has been looking absolutely fantastic this year. We have lost a number of players, like you were saying before, uh, Mick, Jair, Zadarius. I mean, Kevin King, it's almost as if Kevin King wakes up, sees his shadow, and he's out for six more weeks. You know, uh, I think two things come into play here. Number one, of course, is the play of veterans like, you know, uh, Kenny Clark and uh, Amos and Savage, and of course, Devondre Campbell. But you've got to give it to Joe Barry with he is missing pro bowler after pro bowler after pro bowler after pro bowler. And if you took any other defense in the league and you got rid of two edge rushers, you got rid of their top two corners, that defense would be completely demolished. That team would be waiting to rebuild the next year. And here we are top five defense. Number one linebacker in the NFL when was the last time that we could say that was clay ever the best linebacker in the league at the time? I don't think so. He was always solid, but I don't think he was the best linebacker of that time or that year. And right now Campbell is just uh, the whole reason that this is working. My, my personal opinion, Joe Barry is a linebacker coach. 
He got the player he wanted to get. He brought him in the building. He coached him up. Look at Barnes and how Barnes is playing right now as well. I mean, you look at our linebacking core in general and how much they've taken a step up. And doesn't that free up a lot of stuff for the pass rush? It frees up the back end as well. When you have that signal caller in the middle, it's just solid, knows where to be. And that has been the biggest change. So it is Joe Barry, and it has to do with the fact that he brought in Devondre Campbell, who's on the COVID list, right? And it's perfectly timed by at this point. We've always kind of run into bad luck with those types of things, and I was happy it happened now. So he's got 10 days to recover. We, he'll be back on the field. But I think he is the critical piece of this defense right now. Do you guys agree, disagree, or do you think it's somewhere else? I completely agree. And I, I think it goes back to, again, the people that hate Goody Kunst don't know what tech they're talking about. Finding Campbell and signing him right before the season started. Finding Douglas on the Arizona practice squad and, and bringing him up. What was Barnes, undrafted or was he a six-round pick? But I mean, you know, in the improvement that he's done, I love what Barry's doing. Agree wholeheartedly. And all I can say is, is that I'm not so much worried anymore whether Goody Kunst and Rogers talk on the phone or have lunch together because whatever Goody Kunst is doing, Barry's taking the talent he's given him, and it's just tremendous seeing the defensive improvement. Absolutely. When I think the key thing for any team for sustained success is that middle third that isn't sexy, you know, it's, it's nose guards and DTs. I mean, yeah, Aaron Donald has made a name, but for the most part, it's the people who, what's the old cliche, do the things that don't show up in the box score. You know, whatever people thought about um, AJ Hawk, he held down the middle for a long time. He didn't make a ton, a ton of pro balls or anything like that, but you know, what we didn't do was give up five yards of rush. And so if you can have those guys that you get in the middle rounds or as coming off of their rookie contract, and they aren't sexy positions. When Name me another free safety in the NFL. I mean, those days are long gone. So if you've got those guys that can show up every week and just keep things close, yeah, you're going to give up a long bomb every once in a while because it shows up on SportsCenter. But it's the stuff when you when it's starting four and somebody cuts them down after two and a half yards, that's the big play that matters. But it's not the one that gets you all the hype and it gets you on the highlight shows, but it gets you re-signed and it gives you organizational stability so you can plan for this year's playoffs and next year's defense at the same time. I mean, with all of these first, uh, we've been spending a lot of uh, uh, first and second round picks, of course, on uh, DBs and on the defense and trying to tighten up the defense and fix this defense. And it almost seems as if it's finally come to fruition. These guys are finally, you know, we were talking the other day about these old linemen. We keep grabbing these old linemen in the sixth and seventh rounds and in those compensation picks that nobody seems to even care about. And we get these kids and, you know, we've got Josh Nyman. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he can continue to play. There's yeah. no reason why he needs to sit. I mean, I know Bakhtiari will move into left tackle and that's where he should go, but he, we can move him into the left guards. sew up that whole left side immediately. You know, well, and there's only two teams someone named Josh Nyman should be allowed to play for it. It's us or the Vikings. And thankfully, we got him instead. Well, right. and Yosh, I mean, there's also you look at moving him out to right tackle because Turner has played guard in his career as much as he's played right tackle. Hello, Newman is our weak spot on the offensive line right now. And if we move Turner into that spot and move Yosh at to right tackle, for me personally, I, I kind of think that's the way to go. But 
I'm not an offensive line coach. I don't be messed with Runyon Jr., man. I love that guy. Here you I go, love- guys. So you know, undrafted Chris, Chris Barnes was undrafted in 2020. L- look at this. So let's just the draft class in 2020, just to kind of remember, obviously Jordan Love was the, the, the first overall pick, but then you have AJ Dillon, which everybody was up in arms about in terms of why did you pick this guy? Now we know. Third round, we got Josiah, who's starting to show a little bit of life here these last few games. You know, the last two games, especially, it seems like he's finding his role. And then we've got Kamal Martin, whatever. You know, at this point, I mean, I think with the fifth round pick, we're already there. But then the sixth round, we got John Runyon. When you mentioned John Runyon, that's the first thing that came to mind was, I mean, he was a sixth round, 192 overall. Unbelievable, man. And then Jake Hansen was also taken in the sixth round. Hansen has contributed somewhat, right? Stepaniak, I don't think has really panned out. I don't haven't really heard much about him other than a few spot starts here. Vernon Scott, eh. Um, but Jonathan Garvin in the seventh round. And Garvin has just, I kind of see him a little bit like with with Josh Neidman. I see Garvin as that type of dude on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of growing that needs to be involved, but you see it and you want him on the field. He looked, he looks like Gary's first year, right? Where Gary was just a little bit too heavy, just a little bit. And that's just, Hey, you, you step up, you find out how fast that game is. And you go, guys, I need to drop 15 pounds and I need to get quick. And that's all Gary. If you see him on his Twitter, his Instagram, everything is about him getting quick, 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 quick. He's been a menace, an absolute menace this year. I mean, you're almost grateful, almost grateful that Zadarius is out because Gary is getting that much reps and he is getting that much. He has taken over. Look at that Minnesota game. He is a huge piece of our run game. He is a huge piece of the pass game. He's not a little minor, like his his backup roles before. He is now a solidified piece on that defense. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, guys. I think this is Zadarius' last year with us. I think Preston is hit and miss. I think, uh, you know, maybe we keep him. Maybe we don't. Who knows? But uh, Jair... You know, I feel great about the position that we're in, knowing that we've got Stokes and we've got Douglas. <laughs> two, two things but, from me. One, is there a better adjective to have attached to as a defensive player than being called a, quote, complete menace? I'd like I want to I'm going to make that my LinkedIn profile descriptor for what I do. I'm just a complete menace. Um, right, Tinder. Well, it's grinder, yeah. grinder, bumble. Yeah. <laughs> and you find me at at PacMat73 on the Twitter as well. Um but I think Z is going to stick around. And this is one of those things where you look at organizational strength. How much fun are you having? And do you want to be that guy when you leave for the next deal, you go one-to-one as opposed to coming back with a town-friendly deal and the chance to establish yourself as a legend. And the town loves him, and it feels like he gets it. Uh, you know, he had that board in the plane. Nick was up for the playoff game last year where he was wearing a Reggie White throwback jersey. Yeah. And – I just feel like he he gets the culture. I feel like the Packers and the Miami Heat have this individual thing that they get players once they get here, they get it. And I think that Z might stick. It, you know, it's got to be financially responsible, but I think that we could see him for a while because that's a guy that his presence is felt, but I think his absence would be larger. See, and for myself, I think we're $50 million in the hole next year. And uh, we've got a lot of big names that we have to resign. 
And I think there's going to be a handful of casualties. It's as simple as that. I know that, uh, who did we have on there? And they were confident that everybody was going to be signed and brought right back. And it was like, Ugh. yeah, so that's not how it works. As much as everybody gets together and they put their arms around each other and they go, we love the Packers. There's one dude going, I can get four more million dollars a year. Ah, fair if, point. <laughs> right. So like, look at the big names we got coming up here. We got Adams. We've got Jair. We've got Dylan. Right. Campbell. Campbell. Campbell, Campbell, Douglas, right? That's 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 five. Just just Savage. We've got a lot of guys that need to be redone, and these guys they want big money. Now we've posed this question to other guests before. Who do you keep? Do you keep Adams? Do you keep Jair? I told you the last time I was on the podcast. I said I love Adams, but Jair throwing Stokes in right away because of Jair's injury. It was almost a blessing. And yet again, all the people that howled, oh, goody good, you should have taken a fucking receiver. I'm so goddamn tired of hearing about we shouldn't have drafted a receiver. When you look at the guys we drafted instead of receivers, Dylan, you know, going all the way back to Jair and everything, I'm loving it. Jair is the single most important guy in free agency for us because whether Rodgers stays or goes, if you have Stokes and you have Jair, that is a big advantage over just about any other team in the NFL, you know? Hands down. So here's my question on that, though. Can Jair stay on the field? Can Adams? Well, shoulder – so here you go. Shoulder injuries are not as bad. That's that's the concern I have with Z. Back injuries, and we talk about this all the time, are hit or miss. You never know. You're never fully recovered from a back injury. Shoulders, you can – get to the point where you're almost a hundred percent, especially if he didn't need surgery, which was huge. You just need to let it rest. You need it un, you know, you need all the swelling to go down, but I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and eventually. Mean, yeah, right yeah, dude. And then right there. And yeah, then just right play. on the bone, just right on the bone. <laughs> so, exactly. yeah. so I got, I, I got to stab her three times. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. What, not a rotator cuff injury and having been through rotator cuff surgery myself if that's what it was I'd be like no you got to shut him down there's no way he's going to be able to raise his arm and you know defend passes let alone make a tackle but I don't know about you guys even if his tackling ability is a little bit limited I'd rather have Jair out there with Douglas with Stoltz you know even King's been playing better lately and it's like all right we got four corners that we can put against any one of your wide receivers what other team in the NFC has that? None. No, and you know he's got. He, go ahead. He's got to learn. He's got to learn a little bit of that. Uh, you know the the Spanish bullfighter that uh, Charles Woodson had, and that Olay, and you just trip the guy up, right? Yeah. Because he would. It, I mean, Jair loves to just fucking drill somebody, and you know what? Lots of DBs their first few years love to drill people and make a name because the crowd goes, ooh. And then what happens is, is they turn into Darrell Rivas where they cover like there's no tomorrow. But if you make that play, I'm, I'm going to try and tie your shoelaces together. I'm not going to try and tackle you. I'm going to hope somebody comes, right? Like Deion well, Sanders. <laughs> yep. you know, I, was, I, will I, add, try to I will add this too. Uh, you know, as Mick references rotator cuff surgery, this will be for a later segment in Return of the Mick Part 2, The Revenge. Uh, it was a horrific tennis court injury from which he has never fully recovered. Yes, against my brother, Matt. We had this grand idea to go out and play tennis for the first time in 24 years. I thought I was John McEnroe serving as hard as I could, and that's the last time my shoulder was normal. It's worked out well for both of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seems like it. I got sponge you know, bath for two months. That was the only oh. good thing out of it. 
by Pam was, Oliver. Was he gentle? <laughs> it's a family affair. <laughs> As the Amigo Air Show happens above my head outdoors, I'm trying to <laughs> let you guys know that I think Jair, you're right. In terms of him protecting himself and not coming down, Amos is really the guy that comes down that they use close to the line or that they have coming in from behind to hit those guys at the line of scrimmage. As long as he, as long as Jair covers and is just a short clacker, he doesn't have to blow guys up. But I think Amos is that guy that they use in that role of coming down and really taking out somebody. He loves, for whatever reason, that dude's just a little tank that loves coming down there and smashing into the line as another airplane flies overhead. Fuck my life. We can't hear them. We can't hear them at all. You're no. good. No, I can't. Please, I on, can't. On, behalf, on behalf of the rest of the world listening, fuck your life too. So yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and if I open my garage door, you could hear off in the distance all the Notre Dame people going, fuck Brian Kelly, fuck Brian Kelly. Or hello, Brian or Brandon or whatever it is. So let's get down to the real reason why we're here, gentlemen. We have heard some stories. And we need to have some confirmation and some details about some of these debauchery and shenanigans that seem to have happened and follow you, gentlemen. And the last time Mick was on, Mick uh, explained that uh, I, I can't re really remember the uh, exact details, something about a rubber mask and uh, a couple of blow up dolls or something. I can't. I, I mean, we'll have to check the references on that. But uh, apparently it was a long night for you, Matt. Well, I, I'm trying to remember if the rubber mask or the blow-up doll was Pam Oliver in that story, and I'm just not quite sure. Pam, I'm sorry. I know you're listening. Don't don't listen to him, Pam. We we can be together. Those those jokes just write themselves. <laughs> oh God, where do we even start? Um, well, I remember the mask incident because he turned tide and walked up about six rows. <laughs> I, I think uh, the, the the best way to describe my experience at Packer games with my my brother is that. 87% of the stories that you're going to hear are 95% true. And it's just between the both of us, you know, we can get the diagram to get you the most protein out of this, but there is going to be a significant amount of frosting and sprinkles attached to this. 60%, you know, 60% of the time it works all yeah. the time. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. So give us your out? best story here. Give us, give us one of your best stories here. Well, let me give you a recent one. And this okay. this isn't just, hey, everybody get on here. Let's make fun of Mick. But, uh, God, the, the, it's just the ground is so fertile that the crops <laughs> can grow. Uh, we were up for a game earlier this year, and it was the weekend that Notre Dame got smoked by Cincinnati. And Mick's rolling in with his South Bend crew, so everybody is very excited to be there. They've got things going on. The game is very exciting. Um because this is an audio medium, you cannot see that I am a larger person than my brother. I am about 6'1", 235 pounds. So I can, if we're going glass for glass, let's just say he's at a disadvantage. I have places to put beer that he does not. And after a while, he's decided that it's time for him to go back to the hotel. Um, had had a few before I got there, then went, you know, round for round with everybody else. But was time to go and so it comes up and hands placed firmly on the table on both sides Matthew I'm going home and we all kind of was like okay do you know where our hotel is kind of a look of consternation on his face to his credit looks me right in the eye 
Nope. <laughs> Do you know the name of our hotel? Same type of thing. Can't say that I do. And then, so now a few other people are getting involved in this conversation and, and it's going, do you know what floor we're on? I do not. But it's time for me to go. And I think we were at upstairs at Stadium View. For those who are familiar, it's a beautiful day. It was about 75 degrees. And he starts walking away. And I look at one of our friends that was with us. And as he's walking in a, what I assume to be a northeasterly direction, I look at Scott and I was like, isn't our hotel that way? And I point due west. He goes, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so as, as Mick departs, Notre Dame had suffered a crushing defeat, which turns out may not be so horrible for them. And they all go away. And then I realized that I also had both keys to the room in my pocket. And yet somehow when I got back to our room, our man happily taking a nap, Everything is put away, the, like his toiletries are lined up perfectly in the bathroom. And there was just no doubt, without question, somehow he got there. He might have put in 18 miles to make that 0.35 mile trek from the bar to the hotel. But he got there before I did. Somehow got into our room without a key. The whole thing about the toiletries being all in a line is because he did not make it to use any types of toiletries. I think he went straight from the door to the bed and laid down. <laughs> It, it could possibly be, but he's always very well-groomed, if nothing else. So, I mean, he, he, he looked good all weekend, I can tell you that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Goodness. Goodness. Mick, uh, you, uh, you, you got a story, something about Matt being arrested? Oh, no. Like I this, was just, you confirmed. These are stories about me being arrested. I was not told <laughs> that would be part of this podcast. Hold on. Some of those warrants might still be valid right now. Let's try to stay away from that. And I just want you guys to know, I have no idea how I got back into the room, into the bed, everything done. I have no clue. The last thing I remember was turning and walking out of the bar saying, I got to get back to the hotel, not knowing which hotel, what room or nothing, and somehow got there. And you know what? My asshole felt okay. So I don't think I, you know. Wow. I, uh, okay. <laughs> What are you doing Saturday, Matt? Oh, I'll be editing for about four hours. That eliminates the Pam Oliver joke I was going to make right there. So, yeah, yeah gosh, uh, we don't seem so bad after all. The beauty of it is, is that, you know, my first the booty, of the booty of it is. Okay. Oh, here we go. You go to enough games up there. It's a small little area. After a while, you know, every place and you just think, okay, I'll find my way. I did look at his phone the next day and he got 29,000 steps in. So I mean, <laughs> for, take that for what it's worth. Oh, so hands oh. up for everyone that's been thrown out of a uh, Lambeau field uh, football game. I'm Andrew Fox from the UK and you're listening to Packers Without Borders with Bruce and Matt and Go Pack Go. You know, if you like the Packers Without Borders with uh, me, Matt, and of course my good buddy Bruce in El Paso, and uh, the stuff that we, the content that we do, and some of the jokes and hilarious stuff, do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that retweet button, hit that subscribe button. Don't forget, you can go on to Anchor. There's a uh, subscription. You could also uh, uh, help pay to sponsor, keep the show going. You can do iTunes, you can do Spotify, 
We're on every platform you can possibly imagine, but really iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. If you guys can go in there and subscribe, retweet, help us out. That would be fantastic. You can follow Matt at LarsonMatt2 on Twitter, and you can follow me at Bruce Edmonds on Twitter as well. We love you guys. Really appreciate the support. Peace. Go Paco. This is Kristen from Nebraska. You're listening to Packers Without Borders. Oh, not me. Oh, nobody's close. been thrown out. Nobody's been thrown out. I know uh, Mick keeps freezing. I, yeah, I, that's. Uh, I, I think he's freezing with his hand down. He may just be sitting there pretending to be frozen. Let's just yeah. speaking of Tim Oliver. Well, aren't we all? Uh, I, I will. Who else would you think of? I mean, we had Peter Patter. The inc- yeah, exactly. <laughs> We had the incredible good fortune to get tickets for the NFC Championship game this past season. And if you've ever been to Lambeau when it's full, you know what 82,000 people sound like in there. If you've ever been in there with only 6,800 people, it's very different. And they had given out corrugated plastic signs with all the different things on it. So because we're all mature adults, Shout out all first responders that were there. All we did was pound them on the aluminum seats. And it was the loudest thing that I have ever been to. But cops and security were on it. And when I say that well, we they had one for per this, person, one per fan, it seems yeah, like at that I'm point. I'm pretty sure there were 6,800 cops there. <laughs> and 6,700 of them were looking at me. We were directly over the game clock in the end zone. And when I say directly, we're literally leaning on it. If you go back and watch highlights on YouTube of that game, the two weird little things you see over the game clock are the two of us. And it's cold. They had very intense COVID restrictions in place that everyone was working hard to keep. And at the very beginning, you know, they say, as long as you're actively drinking, it's like, well, shit, man, it's a football game. So yes, I will be actively drinking if I'm awake. And I'm keeping mixed hands full. And I had, after a couple of sips on a, uh, I believe I was drinking an Angry Orchard hard cider because you need your fruits early in the day. Uh, But I caught the guy's eye because I hadn't put my mask back up, just slipped my mind. So suddenly now we're on the radar. But then Mick, because of his glasses fogging up, would pull it down, take a sip of beer and just leave it. Like it's covered in his mouth, but just a little bit under his nose so we could see. But man... We had Buford T. Justice on the scene. <laughs> and he had one goal in life. This five foot, eight inch, 152 pound scumbag is going to give COVID to the entirety of the NFL if I don't police this guy. And it was on for the next two hours and 45 minutes. Mick, I will let you, of course, he freezes right as I'm about to pass him the ball to drain the 30 foot three pointer. At least he's drinking. Yeah. That's uh, if only everyone could see. I don't so think I have, he's frozen. As a matter of fact, I don't think he's frozen. I think he's just chugging. <laughs> oh, and he just disappeared oh. as I tried to fucking take a picture oh. of it. Son of a bitch. They're they're throwing it to you, Mick. He's Mick, he was, keeps he does keep changing into different gray sweatpants. That is a little alarming. Uh, we were just discussing your relationship with these constabulary that uh, polices the greater metropolitan Ashwaubenon area and the stadium.
Well, the guy looked like the fucker from Reno 911 with his fucking tight pants and porn mustache. And whereas all the other security people had their nightsticks secured, he's the only one that's ever tapping it against his leg and stuff like that. Although I will say, while the Reno 911 thing is accurate, imagine that guy at like 6'2, 195 pounds, like built like porn stash from Orange is a New Black. Big dude. Great mustache, super tight pants. There right, here's me again. We're going to have to edit all of this. We're going to have to start all over. Right, right out. Start all here's, over. That's okay, guys. There's nothing else going on in my life. No, here's me filling in that moment. So <laughs> you've, you've got the, um, there, there's three levels of security. That, yeah. And we all know the yellow jacket, the yellow windbreaker yeah. folks. They're there. Then at Lambeau, there's also the red ones, which are a little more like courtesy advisors helping you move around. And then there's the cops. Shout out to all the Leos out there. We appreciate all the work that you do. Um, but the red jacket guy was the guy who first noticed us. And then Reno 911 got involved. And at one point, I think it was at the tail end of the first half when Brady threw that, what turned out to be the game clinching touchdown. Um, it's right as red jacket guy is whispering to cop and they're pointing at us. And that thing happens. And Mick just lets go with mother. Fucker! Right <laughs> as the cop is like eyes locked with him. Yeah. And yeah. Not good time. Do with that what you will. He thought I was saying it to him. I think you were actually looking right at him because he was in the line of sight from you to Brady to the touchdown. The Kevin so, King? Yeah, to fucking yeah. Kevin King. Yes, he was. Right in the line of sight. At the oh, ball man. Fucking head. They uh they came up to talk to us in a very cordial professional way, and us, us, Mick is no, no. is standing tall, ready to have this conversation, and he's talking. And I, as he turns to gestic gesticulate to me, I'm a good twenty feet down the aisle, my hands in my pockets, head down, sunglasses going. Please don't get me kicked out. Please don't get me kicked out. Please don't get me kicked out. And my boy was there all by himself dealing with the law. Yeah, I turn around as my brother can testify. He's not there. I'm like, oh, fantastic. He's, he's got your back. Way yeah. back. Way, Way back. back. <laughs> oh, I, I could totally see his back from as far away as I was. It was great. Matt's down with no fucking mask on, drinking beer with fans 10 yards down the field at that point. Dude, I was drinking beer with cops at that point, probably. It's like, please don't get me kicked out of here. So who are your top five again? You started with Don Hudson. Yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Don Hudson. I'm going to go um, Reggie. I'm going to go Bart Starr. And then I've got the Favre Rogers, Rogers Favre, which I mean, once I would get beyond that, there'd be some really great John Brockington names and stuff mm. that would come out. But as far as top five, any Packer fan, though, that doesn't at least acknowledge Don Hudson has some homework to do. That's all I will say. If, if all time is all time. And when your team's 100 years old, you got to look back, you know. And, you know, none of us mentioned Sharp, who was well, really – Well, I haven't gone yet. You've so only got five. Oh, we're done with you. Yeah. We're done with you. Yeah, we don't need yours. Whose show is this? Whose show is this? Go for it, Matt. <laughs> what are you Give five, me a little Matt? shit, buddy. Five? Give what me a little got, shit. Man? Who are you thinking? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to go uh, – number five is obviously Ron Hallstrom, um, just a key draft pick of, of my youth for the uh, the Packer era. Uh, number four would be Notre Dame great Aaron Taylor. Made the 
really strange transition into doing CBS college football. Uh, Mick, obviously, you know, number three is the great Alan Feingrad, one of the uh, least memorable offensive linemen in the history of the NFC Central. Um, number two, Walter Stanley brought us one of the great moments on Thanksgiving Day in the history of the Detroit Lions losing. And uh, I would have to say number one, Blair Keel. Almost won a game on national television when the Packers were almost good once upon a time. The late, great Blair. Uh, Damer, I'll have you know. <laughs> two domers in there, dude. How about that? Yeah, Taylor in, yeah. Yeah. Terrible. It's like you most prepped people, for this and we yeah. did. That was amazing. Most, most people are like, never heard of those guys. Never, oh, yeah. never heard of them. That was zero prep. That's just here. You ask me top five. They're ready. Those are my guys. Hey, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your bottom five after hearing those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's when we get into Reggie and Hudson and all these bullshit guys that you guys say that none of you ever saw play ever except in highlight films. These are guys that I watched that helped form my opinion of the Packers. And uh, honorary mention at number 5.1, Ken Rutgers. I watched Reggie play. I watched Leroy Butler play. Okay, I no never, fair point. I didn't get to see uh, Nitschke play or Star play because I was still a scratch in my daddy's pants. But Because the internet I, wasn't working? Yeah, the internet wasn't working. I was at Mick's house trying to download more porn. You know, Mick, uh, if you need the Zoom to work, close the other tabs that you have open. <laughs> you know, porn sites are fantastic, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? Celebrity nudes, Pam Oliver, and he's got that in the background exactly. on loop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're the tiny little box in the corner. <laughs> he's watching on full screen this is the greatest thing i've ever seen that brings up you know what it's like those people that go hey come to my only fans and you can see my pictures for 5.99 and i'm like or i can just type into the google bar boobs <laughs> and and look at all of them <laughs> and odds are a, a picture of ron holstrom might actually come up right there so holy right smokes there. wow hey, gosh shout out ron holstrom Jeez. i just want you guys to know too that my brother Wore number 73. That was his number. And Alan Weingrad also wore number 73. So he has had a, a 30 year love of Alan Weingrad. And did Taylor wear it too? He did. Okay. So, so Taylor that, also. So Taylor. basically, Matt, everybody that's ever fucking worn number 73 for the. Taylor was uh, a shaved head, big, you know, dancing bear type. And he and I looked alarmingly alike. You actually, for Christmas, got me a signed Aaron Taylor photograph. And I showed it to people and they're like, yeah, dude, holy shit. I, I, I've lost some weight since those days, but uh, it's just Aaron and I shared a, a physicality that was similar. But I do want to say, you know, all bullshit aside, these guys, I'm not kidding, I paid attention to because as a kid growing up, especially when I talk about like Rutgers and Hallstrom and these dudes, Packers weren't very good. So I didn't yeah. get to see them very often and yeah. I got to watch them and, you know, we would go and when we'd go up to Wisconsin, the summer times we'd get like Packer yearbook and stuff. I automatically went to look for the offensive line. So going back to what the earlier thing we were talking about, you know, you need that, that middle third on defense, it's safety middle linebacker nose guard on offense. It's the guards in the centers. And, you know, these were the guys I was going to add Najee Davenport in there too. The oh yeah, about, Najee Davenport. Yeah. Man, that was a horrible, horrible injury. Do you remember that? Yeah. Came right out of the tape. Oh. Yep. But I mean, oh. these are... You broke get his right... ankle on national television and you could see the book. He had his ankles taped, but you could see the bone come out yeah. of the tape. Pressing. 
Just remember, he crapped oh. in a girl's dorm room closet, so maybe he got bad I, luck. At why we got to bring that up? He won title to you. For Davenport. <laughs> why do you call him a crapper? Well, there's one but reason he, why. He crapped in the dorm at Florida State, got busted, apologized to the young lady and in Florida State. They let it go, you know? <laughs> He's the kind of guy, though, in today's NFL, uh, Mick and I talk a lot about the San Francisco offense, but if you get a guy like Juszczyk that you can really do something with, yeah. I feel like Najee's a guy that whose who's physical characteristics were so ahead of where the NFL was because they, had not, they hadn't fully left the 60s, which slowly graduated to the 80s and to where we are now. But a guy like Davenport, they wouldn't have wanted to beef up. They would have wanted him to trim down maybe 10 more pounds. Yeah. And now you've got this crazy athletic – you know, really fast, huge dude that he doesn't have to get 20 touches a game, but if he gets five, those yeah. one, any one of those could go for 50 yards. And so remember to have yes. turning kicks. Probably the heaviest kick returner ever in Packer history was who? probably who Mick Davenport. He did return kicks. That's yeah. right. Yeah. He, he did. did. He, he was did. 255 pound fullback <laughs> returning yeah. kicks. Yeah, he would never make to the 35. He would never get tackled to the 25. You knew damn well he's going to get to the 30 yard line. Yeah, which, yeah. With, with horrible special teams now. I would love to have a guy oh. just get it to the 30 every time and we'll be fine. That, that's oh. like John Kuhn. That's like John Kuhn, right? You need you need two yards, John Kuhn will get you three yards. You need four yards, John Kuhn will get you three yards. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. One of my favorite Packers of all time, Kuhn. I mean, this guy was just a bulldozer. But yeah, often, often the three yard, <laughs> just three yards in the cloud forward. of dust. Yeah, Love and they never it. could replace him. They tried bringing in no. those other dudes, and they're like, they oh, haven't since. They're all terrible. They haven't. And now since. they just don't do fullbacks at all. I they use which tight is, ends. Which is, can you imagine John Kuhn out there running in front of uh, Dylan? I mean, the holes that Dylan would have, you could drive a truck through. I mean, oh, or even Aaron Jones, they split him out wide or something and having John Kuhn out there because Kuhn would sacrifice the body to make those. That's why he was such a Packer favorite, I think, is because he was one of those guys who did a lot of work that didn't show up on the score sheet like you were talking about. But he made those blocks. You think when Rodgers, it's Cobb, he's got Cobb against the Chicago Bears there. The key block is John Kuhn crossing Rogers' face to clip Peppers so that Rogers can make that throw to uh, Cobb, yeah. right? Kuhn constantly did those things, and that's the good thing about the Packer fans, right, is we see that in the stadium because of the years of mediocrity. We see those little flashes and stuff, and we pick those up that this guy – this is why we love Mercedes Lewis – it's not because Mercedes Lewis was a Jacksonville Jaguar or that we feel sorry for him that he had to spend most of his career there. It's because we watch him block a guy to the ground and up to the whistle. We watch him drag this guy out into the, uh, you know, out, out into the stands on another block or he catches a pass and he runs over the guy. He doesn't try and do anything. He's like, I'm just going to bust this guy up. This is what we love to see is, is, is Packer fans is somebody out there physically exerting themselves and trying because of the years of we might win four games this year. Can we talk a little more about Mercedes Lewis and the evolution of that guy? He had two seasons in Jacksonville with double digit touchdowns. That yeah. guy pre Gronk was one of these freak tight ends who could have been an 80 catch 900 yards type of guy and has very happily settled into 
this role with the Packers, you know, living in Florida, I look at it, uh, you know, a guy like Udonis Haslam for the Miami Heat, who is just the elder spokesman, works hard in practice, makes sure that the kids get it. And I love Mercedes Lewis on this team doing that same type of thing. He don't want the ball. He'll take it. He'll catch it and run with it and shock you with it. But anytime I watch like Brandon Cooks or some of these guys who used to play tight end for us having these awesome games, and it's like, why don't we? Oh, because we got Mercedes. I'm cool with that. Best of yeah. luck to all of those Jared guys who Cook, are somewhere I mean, else. Or Jared, Jared Cook, Cook. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Mercedes Jared. Lewis, man, just a, a that's the guy. That's the institutional strength you want in your organization that you can build a lot of your stuff around because, like you say, that's who your running backs get behind. I don't think our running backs today, if Kuhn could really block for him for them, because I think they'll beat him to the hole. You hand the ball to Dylan, he's probably stepping in front of Cook or Kuhn. Uh, yeah. not not the most fleet of foot fullback, but um, I, I do love having Mercedes on this team. You know, Mercedes keeps a lot of guys, a lot of these young guys grounded, and he shows them. Listen, the, the money's there. You're going to leave this career if you play seven years. You're going to leave very rich, no matter if you stay on the Packers or if you jump from team to team to team and cash in every single year and try and get your maximized dollars. But he shows these guys, look, I've got these years where I've got these incredible numbers and everybody wore my jersey. But you know what I don't have? I don't have a championship. I don't have a win. I don't have that feeling of I finally conquered this thing that I spent from the age of five playing all the way up and all those years at Pee Wee and all those years at high school and all those years of college. And now here he is. What <coughs> his th- what 15th year, 16th year or something. Yeah, he's Mercedes been around a Lewis. long time. Right. I mean, now he's at his 16th year and he's like, I just got to win one. I just got to win pretty one. sure. This is the longest segment anyone has done on Mercedes Lewis on a podcast ever because he was relevant as an offensive player before the internet. Yeah. Shout out Mercedes Lewis. True. Mercedes Lewis. I mean, you know what? It's big dogs like that that make the rest of the team go, listen, this isn't about cashing that check and getting the fans to want my autograph. It's about winning something and putting my name in history. Right. You you want your name just like the Stanley Cup. You want your name on that Stanley Cup. You want your name on that great cup. You want to be part of. I mean, go ask Dan Marino if he would cha- if he would trade 14 years for one Super Bowl. And he'd, he'd probably tell you immediately, I'll trade it right now. I'll trade it, uh, almost all my money for it. Right. Just one time to have my name on it. Right. So having a guy like that keeps those kids grounded. I, and I'm convinced too with Mercedes, it's probably one of the main reasons why Aaron Jones stuck around. Yeah. Like, like we've said, he could make eight, 12, 14 more million dollars somewhere else. And maybe he listened to Mercedes and was like, you know what? It's not about cashing in. Cause Aaron Jones, when he's done his NFL career, he'll probably have a hundred, 120, $150 million with all of his endorsements. Right. We go back to the Favre years and they'd say, Oh, Favre, you could make a lot more money. And he's like, I do one visa commercial for 60 seconds. I make more money than I do in five seasons in the NFL. He's like, why, what do I care? Right? So guys like Aaron Jones and that they're going to be just fine at the end of this. They're not going to be out washing windows on uh, Hollywood Boulevard, trying to get that nickel, right? They're going to, they're going to have hundreds of millions of dollars. Or driving drunk and killing somebody. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen to anybody else. That's, Dark turn Vegas. I'm just, I had to throw something in there just because, you know, I'm really good at fucking shit up. Right? The menace, the podcast (laughs) menace. (laughs) No, coming up next. I wanted, I wanted to stop the segment there for a second and talk a little bit about the offensive line 
And when you talk about the injuries, we were talking about defensive injuries, but you also look on the offensive line, just the fact that, you know, obviously Bach, um, but under the radar had started out with his hair on fire as a rookie Myers at center and how much that affected the line. And then with, you know, with, with Eldon Jenkins just being done, uh, who else, again, let's flip it the other way. What other team could lose three starting offensive linemen and still last week allow only one sack. Explain that to me, you know? So um, just give me your thoughts on the offensive line, kind of what you see, whether Bach does come back or not, what you kind of expect. And let's assume that Bach is going to be back, right? I, I think he's starting to do some drills on the sides. He's They're probably not going to use him for the Bears game, and maybe after that they'll start considering bringing him in because he's got some games that he's got to get under his belt, right? Before the Don't ask playoffs. me. I thought he was back week one. I thought he was back week one. He looked so good in OTAs and spring training. I thought, oh, no, he's coming right back. And clearly, I am not a doctor, but although I play one in the bedroom. <laughs> coming up next, the underrated value of a pulling right guard. <laughs> bedroom. So what are your thoughts on the offensive line if Bach comes back? How do you think this is going to shake out? Well, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, um, I think Yosh is too good to sit, and I would move him to right tackle. I'd move Turner over and replace Newman. Um, as far as we know, Myers is coming back, which, I, again, I'm hoping for the last couple games of the season. I, I think our offensive line, obviously, you lose Jenkins and Bach not knowing how good he's going to be, but the drafting and developing of these young guys, I'm not really worried about it. Each week I worry with the injuries – are we going to get sacked eight times today? And those games just didn't happen, you know? So I, I think we're, I think with Yost playing like he is, Turner having proven last year he could flip out the left tackle in an emergency, as beat up as we are, we still have multiple options in each position. Matt? I could only name one guy who plays offensive line for the Packers and he's been hurt. All the other guys signed as free agents elsewhere. I'm sorry. I like the big, sexy, fast guys that run down the field with the balls in their hands. Ball. I'm sorry. You know sorry, what's like in your hand, that's for sure. This is uh, very enlightening. <laughs> it explains the shirt. So, uh, no, I, I will ask the thing that, that what I've said about the, the, you know, the Packers line over the last several years, because of the way Aaron Rodgers plays, it, it's irritating when the announcers call the games and these guys do a lot of research on it but when they talk about how much pressure Rodgers is under what you never hear is how much his game is built on chaos and moving pockets and the whole idea of we snap the ball with 0.01 seconds on the clock and it's always to make the defense wrong-footed I think playing offensive line for the Packers is a very different experience than it is uh, you know the, the closest ones that you could look at it are you know Lamar and Kyler I don't even think Mahomes. Mahomes is as electrifying as he is, still plays a pretty electrifying version of a dropback passer. Whereas with Rodgers, you are counting on weird things happening with the offensive line. So, yeah, yeah it, it does make, I think, our guys a little more susceptible to injury because they need to be a little smaller because they need to be nimble and they need to be constantly moving in a way that like when Philly had those monsters for their Super Bowl, you know, the, that was Stonehenge. 
I mean, these yeah. guys don't move a lot because they don't have to. And our just our team works a little different. So back to Mick's point about Goody Kunsten, the gems that he finds, I don't care if I've ever heard of these guys. What they most of them seem to be able to do is get in there and get weird when they play. And if it's great having a cornerstone Hall of Fame left tackle. But it's also great having these guys that play multiple positions. And I'm not even mad at when guys like Corey leave because they get big contracts to go somewhere else as long as they go somewhere good because it's next man up. And I feel like for the most part, that is what we've been able to do is find the next guy who can play that weird thing. And having Runyon's kid in there, anybody who was ever on the cover of Sports Illustrated being the dirtiest player in the NFL, I want their kid on my team. Absolutely. Right? And that's we we brought this up earlier, right? We like you know as much as uh, 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 you know some of the new guys are uh, struggling a little bit, and uh, by rightfully so, they should. It is their first year, right? They're 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 learning that Rogers doesn't need three seconds. Rogers needs six seconds, right? Rogers doesn't isn't going to get rid of the ball ninety percent of the time in that first two step drop. This is going to be a five step drop followed by a, I'm going to roll out right, and when I roll out right, I'm going to hit somebody streaming with me. Right. So the old line, like you were saying, you got to get weird, man. I don't know what you got to do, but it's not three seconds. We need you to do it for six seconds because he's going to get rid of that ball in that four five, six mark when somebody cuts open. Right. I do wish, you know, and we had been saying this before, run the ball and, and, and the short passes. If you no. remember, if you remember uh, Brett Favre, I mean, Donald Driver made a living off of the quick slant. And he would catch a four or five yard slant and we would watch these little chick, 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 chick. If we, we go back to the last game that, that we just won, our very first drive was 15 plays and we got to the 50 yard line, 15 plays. I want to see a little bit more of that. So that way, not only does the offensive line not have to hold for six bloody seconds every single time so that Rodgers can wait for somebody to get, because, you know, we've all got that mental clock in our heads when we're watching the game and you're like, okay, okay, okay. You got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of it. You're yelling at the TV. You got to get rid of it. Right. And the open receiver at the sticks that he doesn't throw to oh. because he wants to see what else might happen on the third break. How many, how to many be times? Fair, to be fair. Since the toe injury and coming back this last game, he is getting the ball out. They just talked about this last game. He got the ball out the fastest he did all season. It was two, I think it was the average of 2.4 seconds. So he's under two five, you know, this last game. And they're saying that a lot of with the toe is actually going to help his game quite a bit. I thought about that a little bit where it's, he's not going to be able to run around unless he absolutely has to. He's going to try to do that two-strep bang, hit who you can, right? Average depth of target is right around seven yards for him right now, which is pretty good. You know, it's a little below average, but he started hitting those bombs. So we're going to see that start to normalize again where you start seeing his average come up. But he's getting the ball out quickly these last, especially this last game. You saw well, we, first three out to. of his hands. We need him to. I mean, let's be honest here. We've got a couple of studs at running back here. If somebody goes down for a little bit, we're, we're going to be okay. But Rodgers goes down, folks, and, and we're over. in some serious trouble. And oh, if, you don't, if you don't think we're in serious trouble, take a look at the Kansas City game and how Matt LaFleur lines up against one of the worst run defenses in the league. He's got a quarterback who was given like 48 hours notice. Oh, by the way, kid, I know you're a rookie and all of this stuff's going on with the COVID and everything, but guess what? You're in. Yeah. And it's Arrowhead. We've got two running backs that are fresh and ready to go. And LaFleur refuses to go to the run game. 
keeps trying to get these 60-yard bombs in, we're in some trouble if we lose Rodgers. And as Packer fans, we've seen – I mean, it's not like when Brett Favre got hit and you were like, here he comes, he's coming right back into the huddle, no big deal. Every time Rodgers gets tackled, we all take a little breath. Oh, my God, it's a crisis. The we state of Wisconsin not, shuts down. You see him wince, and it's like, oh, uh-oh. We've uh-oh. seen him not come back. That's the thing, is we've seen him not come back and get walked off the field, and suddenly we're relying on Eddie Lacy. Well, because <laughs> you know he, I mean? he and Shailene have to get on the spiritual internet to talk to the Dalai Lama and just make sure well, that the, the crystals crystal, are aligned. The crystal in his ass need to, needs to be turned counterclockwise to work properly. Yeah. <laughs> he is a, he is a fella. complicated fella. Man. Right? Listen, man, he's got his own opinions, and that's what he wants to do with his body. He could do that to his body. He didn't lie to his teammates. He didn't lie to the NFL. So be it. You did lie to the fans in the media. And I will tell you something, brother. You can't come over for Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah, but real quick. How, how great were those people. Hunger Games knockoffs that Shailene was in, right? I mean, we're going to remember those forever. Oh, who? Well, one part of the Packer <laughs> offense before we move topics here, though, is our wide receivers block. And yeah. nothing makes me laugh more than the Madden heads on Twitter that think that wide receiver blocking means nothing and it's all about their stats and all of that. Lazard is one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league. MVS, everybody bitches about his drops, and okay, I get that. But he also is a very good blocker. And we're talking about what Bruce was mentioning a minute or two ago, the effective quick-release passes on most of those passes. Yeah, we've got offensive linemen all out hurt, but you're going to see wide receivers making blocks too. You're going to see big dog making blocks too. And the old McCarthy offense, hell no. I mean, there's no way that the receivers were doing much blocking in the McCarthy offense. And I think that's the big difference. And, you know, they would do a little bit like on screens and stuff, but no, you're right, Mick. They, I mean, now it's completely different. If you think back to remember when AJ Dillon caught that little swing pass and ran it up about 35 yards, the big celebration Devontae Adams was having was the hit that MBS put on that guy. Exactly. <laughs> like he's jumping up. Dylan's still going. And yeah. Adams is gone. Yes. Right. And that's your a- point, Mick, right here. Alan Lazard blocking grade is a 66.9, which is good. Not great, not bad, but it's good. And he's, you know, so using the wide receivers, they do look for these big body guys to come down and, and hit people. And again, we're successful the last two years with them running 12 personnel, at least 30% of the time, the only other team that even remotely comes close to us with that is the 49ers last week, 32% and 12 personnel. So that's a lot of the run blocking, having those guys come up and, and, and do their job to free up that one person that's schemed to be open, right? A lot of times everybody's running a route, but the routes with purpose to block somebody to scheme somebody open. And last year it was Tanya down the seam a lot. We don't have that player now. So who is it? It was Randall Cobb for a little bit here until let, let's see what the news is with him. But LaFleur's offense is predicated on scheming one person open and every single other person on that thing, on that, on that line, has a job and it's not necessarily being a weapon, but blocking or doing your assignment to make sure that you do have that play come out. So Rogers has kind of that first read, right? That he has to hit quickly. And if he does that falls out of his hands quickly and we do what we need to do. 
Yeah, it goes back to when Adams is out and why we are undefeated when Adams is out. And it's because he's not staring down that number one wide receiver. I mean, I get it. You have a player of Adams caliber. You have to get him the ball. You have to warm him. You have to keep him engaged or you're going to lose him. And you're going to get like, like OBJ where all of a sudden I'm not getting the ball. I'm just throwing a hands, right? Yeah. Chad Ochocinco, right? Terrell Owens. When these guys started getting covered by the number one guys, they started getting upset because the wide, the quarterback wouldn't look their way. Right. So I get that. At the same time, how many times have you seen Rodgers staring down Adams and Lazar is over here in no man's land, surrounded by nobody, wide open? Or Cobb breaks one right through the seam, turns around and looks, and he's like, hey, look at, hey, guys, over here, right? MVS streaking down the sidelines all alone, and Rodgers is trying to feed it in for a six-yarder into Adams. There has to be a little bit more of this, listen, Adams, you're the number one guy. You're going to take off. This whole side of the field on the defense, they're, they're going to surround you, right? If When we play the Bears, I mean, he's triple covered for crying out loud. And he's still getting 100 yards. Like, if I was the Bears, I think what I would do is, is I would just I would just put two guys on the line and just block him like he's returning a punt for the entire time, and I would take flags the entire time. It would probably be easier that way. You'd probably get less yards, and the refs would feel sorry or at least get a sore throat from yelling, holding defense, right? I mean – it's crazy. We've got. Let me to ask see... you guys, as, as every good guest should always do to a host, uh, where the guest says, "You know what? I got some questions for you." Yeah. Um, you look at the the big bodies that we've had at tight end over the last couple of years. These guys are crazy athletes, and you know the difference between Gronk and and Pitts and Sternberger physically is nothing. They're the same person. They have all the same speeds and things, and they can all probably catch pretty well. Why don't we do more of that? Why have we not really gone after tight ends? And I know Tanyan had a nice year last year catching the, you know, the, the touchdown to catch ratio was, was pretty crazy. But you look at these guys, and when in, even in that Arizona game, I didn't feel like we really went hard at tight ends. We've got these guys we, who are physical specialists. We did. We did. No, we, we had mean, Jared Cook. We had Jared Sternberger. Cook. We, we used we Jared Cook like there was no tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and then Jared Cook decided, his agent decided he could hold out for more money. And now Jared Cook is wherever Jared Cook is. Then we grabbed Jimmy Graham, which I thought a little bit of a mistake because he's really one dimensional. Guess what? He's not even one dimension, this guy anymore. He's he's unmentionable. And then. We, we decide we're going to go with Tunyon because we're kind of just stuck now going crap. We tried to get a couple of guys. We couldn't get any guys. And then Tunyon has a breakout year. So I think that we have been attacking. Well, no, we get the guys. Yeah. But we don't use the guy. None of these guys catch, you know, 40 balls. Mick and I have a, in, in our family at least, a very famous bet about Sternberger. Mick was very excited about Sternberger. And I think I bet him $1,000 that he wouldn't catch 10 passes. Now, we, we agreed to lay that bet off. But not after I, I did uh, come up with a fantastic, authentic Chinese jersey of Sternberger that you know, every male member of my household now has one up. But like we don't we get these guys. We went and got Jimmy Graham barely threw him the ball. And I get yeah. it. He sucks. Well, he dropped everything. And anytime yeah. he caught the ball, he turned around and tripped over his own feet. The guy we knew everybody knew even when he was playing in with Seattle and his last few years with the saints, we knew Jimmy Graham's in there. He ain't blocking anybody. He yeah. can't block. He can't block my grandma. So they're going to pass it. They're not going to run it. And after we suddenly realized that defenses would see Jimmy Graham and go, don't worry about the running back. 
we were like, wait a second, what'd we get our hands into? You know, we need that guy who does both. You look at Gronk and Gronk loves to block and he loves to catch and then make that contact, right? There are these, these tight ends that, that love that contact and get into that sort of thing and, and you use them. We don't seem to find those guys. And then when we get those guys, they don't perform the way that they used to do or we get them at the end of their career you know, this is like almost like saying, how come we can't get a point guard that shoots like Michael Jordan? And it's kind of well, one of these, it's kind of one of these, listen, we go after it, but the guys that we get, I mean, it's, it's like, if you guys are hockey fans, right? Uh, Wayne Gretzky gets traded down to Los Angeles and they asked Luke Robitaille, who scores 50 goals his first year, what's it like playing with Ru Wayne Gretzky? He got you to score 50 goals. And he said, no, no, Gretzky bounced the puck off me 50 times and scored 50 goals off my <laughs> stick. Right. Like he made everyone that much better. If you watch Brett Favre, Brett Favre, we always had these tight ends that were just terrible, but Favre kept peppering the ball. I mean, Bubba Franks for crying out loud. If you oh, are wait, now, hold wait, 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 wait a minute. Not, this, this may be where we part ways. Man. Andrew Corliss. Right. Favre, like, Favre well, had Keith Jackson, borderline Hall of Famer. Okay, no, Shamira. Keith Jackson. Yeah, underpants and in a hot tub notwithstanding, and Bubba Franks yeah. was good. That was that uh, that the U run of tight ends. But I here's don't the know thing: about Bubba Franks. We, <laughs> we get these bodies, we get these guys, but we don't throw them the ball, man. Marcides, obviously, he's you know thirty nine years in the league. Fourteen touchdowns for Tunyon last year. Was it fourteen? So maybe we throw them the ball fourteen yeah. times. Fourteen touchdowns on like twenty two receptions, well, though, man. I mean, those are Ed West numbers. We've got these guys. It doesn't feel like the tight end is a part of the offense in a way that it could be because I look at these guys and I look at it. Somebody like obviously Kittle is the, and, and Kelsey are the, the top of the food chain, but physically these guys are no different than those guys. Are their hands just that terrible? Like, why aren't we feeding them there, to start the game to see what happens? It's here. There is this. No. Yes. That's what I was going to say, Matt. So there's two things. So historically Rogers does not use his tight ends. And I know that from fantasy, cause I always fucking draft them and they always fucking goose me. So I know he doesn't use tight ends and he doesn't throw to them. That's a Rogers thing. The second thing is exactly what you said, Matt. They explain what it takes to actually learn the position of tight end. And you already know the jump from college to pro is next level, whatever you, it, all those cliche bullshits, but in terms of the hardest position to learn on the NFL on, on the field at the NFL level is the tight end level as the tight end position, because it's the job of a, you're in the running back room. You're in the wide receiver room. You're in the offensive line room every single week. So how can you become great at without, we all know this, you focus on one thing, you can become great at something but you, you're good at everything. Tight ends are good at everything. But Jack you have of to all have that, trades. But, yep, Jack of all trades, but have, a master of none, right? But Yep, but you have to have that personality like the Andrews, the Wallers, the Kittles. Those guys, Hawkinson, to a certain extent, shows that a little bit. He's just on a really shitty fucking Higgins. team. Higgins. Higgins, exactly. All these guys have that extra piece that all – 99.9% .9 of tight ends don't have. They have the physical ability to do it. They don't have the mind to be able to Remember, be great at it. It's, it's John what I Madden. see. John Madden used to say, right, 90% of this game is half mental, right? Uh, that's actually Jim Wolford from the 70s, legendary Giants fourth outfielder. I don't I'm even glad Mick is muted. 
I'm glad Mick is muted because we're missing all of that. There he goes. I think I beat him to the punch on that that horrible bit of '70s baseball reference. Mick, you back, baby? Hope hopefully you don't sound like you're like a robot. Man, in the '80s, I did a good robot dance, so I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's how we pay tuition. So coming down to the final, uh, coming down to the final uh, couple of questions here, gentlemen. Uh, first off, what are we looking at? I know Matt earlier you were saying we're looking at maybe one loss. In these final uh, few games here, I know myself, when Bruce and I were talking, I said, you know what, I think I think we're going to have trouble with the Ravens simply because of Lamar Jackson and because of the injuries that we do have. And this is 17 game season. I have us at 12 and five, which is a fantastic year. 12 and five. It it is another loss or two more losses than we're used to. But, you know, we've got the Saints game that we definitely should have won, but we came out so flat-footed and looked like the Keystone Cops out there. We had no business being on the field. We have the Vikings game where if Mason Crosby could hit the uprights uh, properly, we would have won that one. He's hooking it. I can tell you. So He's got the dips. He's got the chili I, dips. I, He's got to see Cheech from Tin Cup, and he'll take care of that. I, I was the, I was the <laughs> place kicker for our rugby team, so we would either drop kick or place kick. Um and what he's doing, the reason he's hooking the ball, and I wish, because I was watching this, because he's hooking the ball. So what he's doing is he's throwing his hips. He's coming in late with his hips. So once he's planning, he's lean, leaning back because he's nervous to get into the kick. So his hips are coming in afterwards. So the weight's coming in. So he's coming in at an angle to hook it because he's hesitant of actually committing to the kick right before he has that split second of thinking. So he's holding his hips, just like in a golf swing, you know, I have to come in, bring in the hips. He's doing the same thing, but he's holding back on it. And that's why he's hooking it. See, now, Shakira, Shakira pointed that out, right? Hold on, Bruce. You yeah, and I haven't, even, talk yeah, you and I haven't even talked about rugby. What we need is a good Johnny Wilkinson or Danny Carter type of guy that could come in here, be the kicker, play some special teams, maybe fill in in free safety and put some hits on people. But that's another pod for another time. I, I agree with that 100%. So quick rugby story, my, my fame rugby story um, that, I, that I'll have for you guys is I got to play. Um, I, I played quite a bit of rugby, but there is some YouTube videos out there that I can't find anymore because they're older YouTube videos. But when I first started playing, um, I got to go up against the greatest rugby player of all time. His name is Jonah Lamu. You got to play against Jonah? He, yeah, I played three times against him. I played, so I played against Jonah Lamu and I actually, I was fullback and he was wing. And because nobody could tackle him, it was always me at the end, one-on-one -on -one with him. And usually I would try to stick my shoulder in there. And there is his greatest hits videos. If you go to greatest hits, Jonah Lamu part two, I am in a uniform getting run over by him and stepped on several times. That's fantastic. Dear listeners, what I would <laughs> oh. suggest. Oh, you look at we're about to have a thing. contest. We're about to have a what? contest. We need that video. No, no. My, <laughs> I have no, I have no rugby stories like that, but to understand what Jonah Lomu was, find the scariest highlight you've ever seen of Derek Henry. Now add Michael Jordan and Deion Sanders to whatever he just did. That's and who take this off, guy and was. And take off their pads. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I slowed All him right. down twice. I slowed him down twice where I kind of did a like, you know, when you know that the dude's going to truck you, the business decision stuff that you talk about. 
on one of them, he broke through the line and you always have to hit these guys in the knees because if you hit them above in the quad area, you just, Forget you're going to bounce off. So you've got to yeah. kind of buckle those knees a little bit, just, just enough to hold them. And I remember I hit him and he kind of buckled a little bit and I grabbed onto his fucking shirt and I was getting dragged while everybody came up to fucking tackle him. And yeah. that was the first time I stopped him. The second time he was on the sideline and he thought he could beat me to the sideline. And I'm a fast motherfucker. And he was surprised at my speed. And he kind of slowed down like, oh, fuck, you're in front of me. And then I pushed him out of bounds. And that was fantastic. I was going to say, you slowed down Joma when he tripped over your dead body lying on the field. <laughs> accurate. That's usually accurate. how that works. His cleat got caught up in my jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, you can't see it. But on my wrist, there's a slice mark from a cleat where I got oh. um, manhandled inside a ruck. And... Uh, we, I was down at the bottom of the ruck and a guy decided to sharpen his cleats right before and started raking at me and he sliced my wrist. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, please check out rugby on uh, NBC Sports Network or Peacock or whatever the hell it's called anymore. If you're Hashtag a little bored not a sponsor. With, yeah, totally. No free ads. But uh, anyway, So the final uh, few games of yep. the season, like I said, we got Lamar Jackson. I think we're going to have a little bit of trouble with Lamar Jackson. And you know what? I, I think we might drop one more two in there. I think that the Lamar Jackson loss will be one of those 32-31, I can't believe they did what they did in the final seconds to beat us type loss. But like you were going, like you were alluding to earlier, Matt, I think we're going to drop one where we have no business dropping one. And I think it might be that Lions game simply because whenever we play the Lions, no matter our record, 15 and one, eight and you know two and eight whenever we play the lions we struggle and we we have a hard time getting past them that's why i'm hoping the viking they beat the vikings this week and i also think carol i think the bears beat the cardinals and they jump ahead of the vikings in the playoff and i'm telling you i will be i will be wearing an andy dalton jersey <laughs> so you what do don't you think see here I think us dropping two games, I think we lose to uh, the Baltimore Ravens. And I think, and I mean, I'm usually generally wrong. I am a married man. I know I'm, a, I'm wrong at least six times a day or anytime I open my mouth. But I think we drop one of those terrible games to the Lions where we just come out completely flat-footed and look terrible. And blow home one. You're seven and one against the division, man. We're seven and you're, one against the division under Lafleur. If yeah. we're you're not anticipating two now, you're not anticipating Love and Boyle combining for a thousand yards passing, eleven touchdowns, and, and ninety-one points scored. It's going to be Boyle, teams. dude. It's going to be Boyle. Boyle yep. against Jordan Love, man. What a matchup, oh. right? Right. I think I, I'm. I'm Jamal legit, Williams. Jamal <laughs> <laughs> Williams this goes is, for two and a quarter on our defense. Yep. What. When I look at the schedule. The, the thing that that I, I'm like selfish about is: do I want to have another 13 win season, or do I want another three loss season? Because I think, yeah, I think we can all agree that Ravens game is tough. It's at Baltimore. Uh, all our games are primetime games anymore. Um, but I just, you know, we've got Browns at home, Bears at home, Vikings at home. Those are three wins. I think the Ravens one is. I'm, I'm just giving that away. Apologies. I'm not. Um, but that man, it, that Lions game at the end, though, that could be the key, depending on what's happening with the Cardinals. So, 
you know, we can't afford to lose to a team who very well could be 0-15-1 and at that point. If we lose that game, that's – They're going to come out guns blazing that, that game, you know, trying not to go undefeated or or fully defeated, whatever yeah, you want to call winless. it. Winless. Yeah, quite winless. winless. Yeah. Winless. Utterly defeated. But I agree with Mick. So, I've been looking – I've been watching some games. I actually looked at the, the all 22, and I, I wanted to look at the Ravens, and the Browns more than anything. I'm not, you know, those are the two games. The Browns are injured. I think we will handle them easily. And I was worried about the Ravens too. But when you look at the Ravens, they got destroyed by Miami. And the reason they got destroyed by Miami is because Miami's back end is fabulous. And Lamar cannot. Much like Pam Oliver's. He is not a, he's not a pocket passer. He relies on his legs. You know, he's Michael Vick on steroids, whatever, however you want to put it. But their team is not, they don't have a running game. And the running game is Lamar. And I think with our linebackers, the way they're playing right now, and our guys holding the edge, Kenny Clark is wrecking the middle of every single offensive line. So they're not going to get anything in the middle. They're double teaming him, freeing up the sides. And I guarantee you that they're going to do the same thing that they did to Kyler. They're going to have Campbell just shadow him the entire, just watch him the entire game. And when he tries to take off, he's he'll, he'll get six or seven or eight yards when he runs off, but the sure tackling Campbell will take him down and we're not going to see these 30, 40 yard runs from Lamar. And if he can't do that, they're going to lose to us. Now, if we see him start to run on us a little bit, that's where I'm concerned, but I'm not at this point watching what they do. There's, there's Ingram is not the, or not Ingram. Um, what, what the hell is the name of the running back? Oh, uh, Murray. Murray. Yeah, and Devonta and Devonta Freeman. Those two yeah. guys are not world beaters. They're not gonna. We're not gonna be worried about them because Kenny Clark can handle up those holes. Those are guys. You're straight down the line. Put your head in the you know in the cloud of dust. Run down and try to run through the middle of the line. That's not going to happen with our defensive line. So I'm not worried about it. I, I genuinely believe, and this is not me being the eternal optimist that I am, but I do believe they're going to go five and zero. I am concerned about the the Detroit game a little bit here, just because it is. The last game of the season, they're not going to want to go winless. And they are they always show up against us, don't they? It's always close. This last game was not. We beat them by 17 points, and the score was not even that close. But I think this is a different team that we're going to be facing at the end of the season. Hey, Canadian J. Molson mails five field goals against the Lions to win it in the last week. Because look at Crosby's field goal percentage against the Lions, as opposed to the rest of For whatever reason, he cannot make field goals against the Lions. Now, so we wait a second. How many 55 and 60 yard field goals does Crosby attempt every year in that stadium? At he least makes, two or three. He makes at those. Two when, he's, wow. when he's at 54, I'm like, we're money. When he's at 36, I'm like, we're fucked. And then it bounces off the upright, and the Bears fans just laugh. And I'm just like, yeah. I the know. forever optimist. So we've got the Ravens are in that uh, AFC North. They've got the Bengals right behind them there at seven and four. I mean, the, the Bengals are a surprise team this year. Uh, I know Joe Burrow. Uh, I love Joe Burrow. And with Jamar Chase, that's going to be an interesting game against the Ravens. Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure. Mick returning again. Matt, the brother on. We'll have to do this again very soon. Mick, let everyone know where they can follow you, what social media you're on. Well, 
Well, Matt, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Facebook, but I just want to let you know, coming next time, we will describe the time that we took our Panamanian friend that we picked up in Chicago to a Packer game. We knew him before this. We didn't just pick him up in Chicago and become friends. <laughs> yeah. No, we went to college. Dramatically vague. Lambeau Field. We went to college with him. And two minutes after leaving our friend's driveway, I got trooms. You got trooms? We had trooms. It was a Halloween weekend of Clinton and Lewinsky's and mushrooms up at Lambeau. And that's for another episode. Love it. Where can um, we find you, Matt? Yeah, for any of my corporate sponsors who may be listening, I actually didn't attend that game. Just want to stay. No, you did not. Background. You did that game. That is true. <laughs> I don't even eat mushrooms on my pizza, but uh, no, uh, gentlemen, thank you. This has been super fun. Uh, my name is Matt Stevenson. You can find me on Twitter and all the socials at PacMatt73. Uh, weirdly enough, I also host a podcast that is generally focused on cybersecurity and hacking and all of those good things. It is called the No Name Security Podcast. Once upon a time was also known as Insecurity. And uh, we have a lot of fun talking about a lot of weird shit. Uh, not quite this much level of football, but um, we, we've been known to get a little bit loose. So uh, yeah, come find nice. me, check me out. Yeah, I tend to bitch mostly about Movies, comic books, and sports on Twitter. So uh, if you want to talk politics, you can go somewhere else. But this type of nonsense, this is my shit. <laughs> Perfect. Bruce, always a pleasure, brother. I love you, man. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us, guys. And to everybody out there, don't forget to click subscribe because you don't. So fucking yes. do it. All yeah. 12 of you. Click it doesn't subscribe. cost you anything. It doesn't Just cost. They don't and charge it would be your awesome card. if you guys left a review. It's leave free. a review. Leave a yeah. review for us. I don't care if it's bad or it's good or it's. I good. care if it's, it's bad. Good. If it's bad, leave your address. Yes. Wait. Can, <laughs> can, I, click and can I give you my closeout line? I, I feel like it's such a good QSQ for this. Thanks for tuning in to the Packers Without Borders podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Audible, all the places where you get your podcasts. All we ask is that you subscribe, rate, and review. We will see you next time. Nice. I, did it. Host, hey. I stole somebody else's host mic. All right. <laughs> it was fun, boys. Peace, guys. All right, brother. Have a great weekend. See you Take guys. Care. Take care. This has been Packers Without Borders. Try and be kind to one another. Try and love each other. And go Pack Go. Esto ha sido Empacadores Sin Fronteras. No se les olvide cuidarnos unos a los otros. Hasta luego. Coach Holmgren pulled me aside to practice and is like, did I hear this correctly? But you and LaShawn have a tiger in your apartment. Yeah, coach. It needs to be gone by tomorrow morning. <laughs> and that was... <laughs>